0: welcome back to beers and careers as always the podcast is hosted by the davis companies www.daviscos.com that's d-a-v-i-s-c-o-s.com uh check them out it's been a um, interesting time right now for hiring with uh the market flooded with talent and managers having to sift through uh, more resumes than normal so if you're looking for someone to curate that reach out to davis Today's guest is an individual by the name of Nick Van Nice. Nick is an executive coach um, and a really interesting guy. I think pretty cool millionaire by the time he was 30. Had a weekly spot on CNBC uh, talking stocks and futures and derivatives, I believe is actually his focus, um, but kind of talks about his whole journey to really finding out what he loves to do and then building a lifestyle business around it. Um, great guy to talk to. you I've learned a ton from Nick personally. I was excited to have him on the podcast. I think he's someone who potentially will be a regular guest. Um, so check it out and give us your feedback. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thanks. Let's kick it off here, man. Let's kick it off. I usually start off with, with some uh, rapid fire questions so that... Um, the audience can get to know you. But first off, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here with
0: you. Welcome to Beers and Careers. Um, we uh, Nick and I know each other. Nick's been an executive coach for uh, many members on the executive team within Davis, as, as uh, well as many other folks within our organization. Um, so we've known each other now for what, Nick? Are we going on two years maybe? I'd say closer to three. Closer yeah. to three. Yeah, yeah closer awesome. to three. Awesome, awesome. So, um, I won't steal your thunder. I'll let people tell you a little bit more about yourself, but maybe let's start with some simple ones. Uh, how about your favorite cocktail or drink? You know, I'm, I'm a rum guy. So I, okay. I love, I love a
1: good, good rum from the islands that, you know, that's so good that you can actually sip it, Mark, you know, the, yes. the sipping kind. Love me good rum and, uh, day in and day out of rum and coke. What is your
0: favorite rum? Do you have a go to?
1: You, you know, I, I, uh, I do like Captain Morgan's. Yeah. And uh and I have to confess I like it with this regular old-fashioned coke and it's probably killing me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but you know it's uh that's my favorite. It's it works. I like it. That's
0: it's cool. Whole, whole standby. Do you have a uh a favorite curse word by any chance? You, you know, I would say damn. Yeah. Like, I'm an, I'm an encourager so I like to get people fired up and I go, "Damn, you are you are <laughs> you are uh, you're good. You you're good with the profanity." Um, how about your favorite guilty pleasure?
1: Oh, well, that's a good one. Um, I can binge binge watch football on Saturdays with the best of them. Okay, like, like at September, college event, college, oh. college college football, Big Ten football, Iowa, Michigan. You know the those big you know traditional matchups, and uh you know come come noon on in September, I I can watch football all day and. That's uh, awesome. Piss off the wife and the kids are like, Dad,
0: Dad, let's play with me and I'm like, the game's on. This is, my, this is my time. I thought for yeah. sure you were going to tell me about some surf casting. Oh. Some fish on the beach. has got to be the like second.
1: It is. I, I I do I do love uh, fly fishing. Um, love going offshore, chasing tuna and and mahi and uh, wahoo. Love that. Love doing That's that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Nick, what was your first job? First, um, first job. Yeah, my first, first job was uh, I actually uh, I bagged birdseed in a birdseed plant. Did no you way. even know that something existed like that? Yeah. And then no then I, I bagged groceries and stock shelves at Publix uh, Getting going through high school.
0: Publix, love it. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Um. All right. How about, you're a quote guy, right? You like quotes. I, I do. Yeah. I got, do, you favorite, quotes, but... do you have a favorite quote? yeah um the truth will set you free oh okay Yep. very uh it's ubiquitous but it's a good one who is that attributed to that that came from that came from jesus it, the, the truth was yeah. is jesus yeah yeah that's that's new, new
1: testament I yeah. knew it
0: was spiritual i was like i just didn't know that's bad as a Severian catholic boy it's bad that's a bad thing i didn't know <laughs> No, no guilt today, man. No, That's no guilt. guilt today. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, uh, last one here. Um, is there anything about your daily routine that people might find odd? I I get up stupidly early. It starts at like four thirty. Yeah. And I, and and
1: sometimes if I go to bed at like nine, which is kind of early, I'll wake up at three and I'll be looking at the ceiling, mm-hmm. and I'll end up getting out of bed. So I I have this huge early morning routine. And actually, like what I do, that's weird, is probably get up and like I, I'll I've been known just to crack a uh, crack a book and just start meditating on mm. some truth on truth. Like uh, pro- I love Proverbs. I think I've told this before. I yeah. I like just like you know if it's the every there's there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's 30 days in a month. So even if you're not in a routine with it, you can just you, whatever day it is, you can just start to read the Proverbs and. What's great about Proverbs is it just it's tactical, practical, everyday advice for how to live.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's, that's that's how you start your mornings. Tip. In a good go, day. When, when day. you can. Yeah. That's awesome. That's
1: awesome.
0: Yep. yep. I'm with you. I love the uh, 5 a.m. club, my man. Big fan. Yep. Big fan. of Getting up early. Um. So I mean, do you mind? Let's not get into like the Uber. Nuanced details, but you've had an interesting background for sure. Um, do you mind giving like the Reader's Digest version of uh, of how it started and maybe to where we are in present day from a career standpoint? Yeah, no, I'll
1: try to put it in a two or three minute uh, capsules. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, when I when I went away um, in the service, it was co- it was always understood that I was going to come back and work for the family business, mm-hmm. and my dad uh, and, and grandfather they were. Into commodity futures, uh, they were they started off farming in Iowa, and which led to um, being in the feed and grain business. And then my dad started trading commodity futures, and uh, we, we they're known as derivatives uh, or futures contracts. And got really good at it. He made like he made like a hundred thousand dollars in his very first futures trade, and it literally changed our family's life. Mark, it was like. Oh my God, you'd work a, you know, it take a whole season to make $100,000 farming, 200 acres of corn. And he made one trade for, and made a hundred grand. So that got my attention as a little kid the family. It's like all of a sudden we upgraded the house. We get a boat, you know, it's like life changed. Yes. And, and so when I went, when I went away in the, um, the service and I was, I was not a big academic guy. I was like, when high school was done, dude, I'm like, get me out of here. I want to see the world. I want to do shit. You have a large family, right? I do. I I have, I have five brothers and sisters and they're all married with kids, but um, I, uh, so anyway, so I worked for the family business for like five years and then my dad sold the company and I was mortified when dad was selling the business. But in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to me uh, professionally because I was out of my dad's shadow and like, it was like, yeah, it just gave me this whole green pasture and I, had, I was very successful with a company called Dearborn Financial Publishing. Um, I became the president of the, of the company um, after, the, after a couple of years after the acquisition, and uh, we had a great run. We tripled sales, we tripled profits. Um, I became a shareholder. You know, life was really, really good. And then I had a real humbling moment. This is you didn't ask for this part, but I actually had a. Uh, I thought it was all about money, Mark, when I was young. And when I was your age, it was all about the hills, all about the size of the mountain, millionaire by 30. It was, you know, I was hard charging. And when I got, to, when I got to near the top of where our revenue was, I realized, um, and it was a, it was an unfortunate thing. It's like they offered me the job of president, but it came with like some real risk. And the risk was, is there was uh, there was an investigation going on. The feds were checking out our advertising. And I made a, I made a mistake of accepting the job. I didn't realize that that risk would transfer to me. And and anyway, I ended up, I ended up deciding to leave the company and leave the industry. Um, but something really great happened. So while I was in the middle of all that legal battle and running a business and, and, uh, I, I ended up realizing that it wasn't about getting to the top of the mountain. It wasn't about making the first million. It was really about my family it was really about it was making sure that what i did matched what my true core values were and what what i learned that whole process mark was that helping other people get their goals and dreams and like coming from a place of uh of true service like understanding what true service was um was big for me and part of that came out of the the being humbled by By the the whole situation. But part of that was me soul searching in the midst of all that investigation and all the trauma and the fear of losing it all. I realized that there was more to life than that because that riches are fleeting, man. Prestige and reputation, it it can be so fleeting in life. So that kind of set me on a course of um, I I left there and I got into coaching. And, um, you know, it was the old saying that when you really find Find that thing that you're built to do, you're designed or created to do. You'll never work another day in your life, right. brother. I can tell you that's me. You know, that, that's yeah. absolutely my story. You know, did I enjoy running the business and growing sales? That was fun. Did I was it was it a was it a, was it a thrill to make a lot of money? Absolutely. But uh, my life got really good when I found uh, coaching, and I, I became a business coach in the early 2000s, and um, I've had tremendous growth in that. I've had. More importantly, tremendous relationships that have come from that. Um, I've, I have a great family. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot so of you're, stuff.
0: So, you're, so you, you, so your family business sells to Dearborn. You crush it at Dearborn. You're there for, is it years now before this um, thing happened? Like how long are you at the top? Because if I remember correctly, you were on TV, right? Like you were the yeah. guy that they called to talk about commodities and futures, right? Yeah, I was on
1: CNBC at a five-minute spot every every Monday morning. Mark Haynes was the guy that was the, the journalist that was on TV and reading right. my comments. I had um, all the newswires were calling me, you know, for for quotes and comments all the time. It was all part of the job. It was fun. Yeah. It was, I was kind of like a rock star in the financial world, you know, the right. the, the many Wall Street worlds. But, um, yeah, um, so, you know. Was it, that uh, a while,
0: though? Like, how long were you? How long? I was, was, I was or,
1: yeah, I, w- I worked total for the company, 12 years.
0: Okay. But my, my
1: dad owned it for the first three, so I was with Dearborn
0: for nine years. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. And then when it when it went south for you, yeah. how how quickly did it go south? Like, did the rug completely get pulled out of him or was it a slower and more painful? No, it, it,
1: it was a, you know, th- there's a lesson here too. So, it was a, it was a slow fade. Yeah. Uh, when the, inve- the investigation started in like, it was like 96 and they didn't, it didn't end until 2001.
0: Okay. And, and we made
1: the huge, colossal mistake of stopping marketing and stop running and growing the business during yeah. that time. And, you know, we still made plenty of money and it was, it was fine. But in, in hindsight, you know, I would have continued to run the business. I'd have cleaned it up. I'd have owned what we could have owned. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have hit the panic button.
0: It's, uh, so now, you know. When you decided to get into coaching, was there like, was there a period of downtime, or were you, or you, or were you still employed at Dearborn, and you were like, I got to get out of this, and I got to become a coach? Like, how did that, how did that? I can't yeah. imagine that process happened quickly.
1: No, so the, the great, great uh, insight there. Good way to pick up on that. So I went from um, being the president of the company to being a marketing consultant. We were known for really good marketing. We had grown this our story of how we grew, we were the number one advisory service in the whole industry. Okay. And so all of the peers, all of our competition knew. So when I left, I went to work for our competition and I helped them with their marketing. Okay. And it, and, and, and that that took me out of corporate America
0: uh-huh. being the employee into entrepreneurship. Cool. And that's how and that's how you kind of start to feel good about helping people run their business. Yes. So from a, a career
1: standpoint, I can't urge like, everyone on this call. like you got to have 10, 15 years experience, build your relationships, build your skill set, your capabilities. You'll develop your business acumen. And if you if you're inclined to go entrepreneurial and like have your own business, you need that underneath you. I see so many kids today. My kids are now going out and trying to be entrepreneurs. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. You know, yeah. pay your dues, man. Learn, right. learn the business, build relationships, right. you know. Uh, grow your grow your skills and capacity, but so yeah, that's what I did. So I I I had my own consultancy. Uh, actually, had a partner in that. It went really well. And then one of our clients that hired us happened to be a startup business, a life coaching and, and business coaching firm. And um, it was an interesting story. The guy came to me and said, he's like, man, I, he goes, I love your marketing, and I and I really like you as a person. I think you would be an amazing person in our business, but I can't afford you. And uh, and he's like, would you come on if I gave you a 40 percent of the company? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah and, and he actually told me, he said he goes, read the eighth habit, read the eighth habit by Stephen Covey. And I had read the seventh habit, but he's, I was like the eighth habit. He's like, yeah, it's it's about finding your voice in business. Mm. So I read it and it really clicked with me. It really clicked with me. And basically what Covey says is. Once you're an effective person, once you once you're nailing it, like you're leading yourself pretty well and your career's on a good track, the next step for you for personal growth is to really find your purpose, find your voice in that purpose, and and when you do that, you're going to be really inspiring to other people. Mm. And, and and I got to tell you, it, it really was Covey's great work, The Eighth Habit, that helped me see that my purpose was in the coaching in the one-on-one conversations because. His his book makes you reflect back on like what are you really strong at and like what what were the things in your career that you loved doing and like what were what were you most passionate about what are you good at and what 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 is the the uh, economic driver or the need that you're you're serving and so I thought about that and I'm like man all those one-on-one conversations you know people coming to my door late on a Friday knocking on the door hey Nick can I talk to you and they sit right. in front of your desk and they they open the kimono and they bear their soul they're telling you something and you know, more times than not, I'd just listen and then I would, you know, we'd have dialogue and they would just be like, Thanks so much for hearing me out and you know, they'd yeah. have a direction they were going
0: on. So anyway, that's
1: how it all started.
0: That's how you so that's how you got hooked. That's cool. That's really cool. I did. I didn't know about the eighth habit. The eighth habit, yeah. Great book. It's an I unbelievably great book. I think the podcast is my voice. Yeah. <laughs> nah, you're great at this, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um that's wild. Okay. So then you get into coach. So then you're there. So you take the 40% of the company deal.
1: I did. I did. And, um, uh, and so, um, we grew fast. I mean, this was like when coach business coaching was just kicking yeah, off. Yeah. What year this is this? Where are, is this, are we? This, like, it, we're like 2004, 2003, yeah. 2004. And, uh, we opened up on PJ Boulevard here in Palm, in uh, Palm beach. And, uh, The guy, my partner, just coincidentally, was an investment advisor, and he had hundreds of small businesses in his database that he was doing financial planning for. So he literally sent a letter out talking about our partnership and me joining the team, and uh, we started doing these roundtables with business owners. And the question always was, "Is how do you apply this principle to your business? And we went through the seven habits, and then we went through the eight habit. And, and Mark, I got to tell you, we had a hundred people signed up to do those roundtables. We had like six of these roundtables going. It was freaking amazing. We ended up with like 15 clients out of the deal. We hit 30,000 in revenue, like a like hundred days in. I mean, what company does that? It was just right. right place, right time, passion in our sweet spot and just amazing stuff happened. And, and I've grown since, I mean, I've continued to grow on that, on that same trajectory ever since.
0: Do you, now were those roundtables free? No, no, we charge five hundred bucks a head. Okay, cool. So people uh, are even still paying for that. Oh, wow, awesome. Yeah, yeah, we. Um, you really caught it. You really caught it when people were were interested. Now, on that path, were there like how you're you're are you still with that gentleman or that lady? No, no. See, so here's another huge lesson
1: along the way. So I learned that while I loved his business. And I was so grateful that he helped me birth my career in coaching. My partner and I were not aligned. We didn't have stakeholder alignment. Remember I mm-hmm. told you he, he came from the investment advisory world. He had all this residual income coming in. I needed the income from our partnership to pay yeah. my bills. Right. So he he was looking, and I, and I was looking at him every month. Like, you know, he was had all his lifestyle expenses in the business, and he didn't want to take, you know, any income out. And, and we're partners. So it was like it just we weren't. It just wasn't yep. going to work, and so after after a couple of years of of being frustrated, yeah, and uh, me hiring an accountant and trying to get control, and him, you know, we ended up going our separate ways. And he was very gracious; he let me take my book of clients, okay. and uh, that's when results driven coaching um, wow. was founded and, and formed. And that was 2007, and uh, that's been the greatest, absolute greatest
0: decision in my life is to start results driven. Mm. So. You mentioned something about you got kids now. I, I've mean, i always thought, or I've always hoped, I should say. I've said this on the podcast before, so bear with me if you've heard me say it before, that I, I hope recent college grads, recent high school grads, people going through career changes can listen to this and draw some level of inspiration or guidance from it. And I, f- and I feel like you kind of touched on something I'd love to unpack to a degree, which was, you know, you've got some children right now starting – with some entrepreneurial spirit, it sounds like. Yeah. But you're kind of yeah. saying, time out, don't do that. Like, what's your, what's your, I'd love to hear more about your philosophy on that. And, um, because yeah. I think there's a lot of people who sometimes think the other way. Go for it. Right. Right.
1: Now, I, I'm a big believer, um, that coming out of school, no matter how smart you are, no matter how good your connections are, if you have an opportunity to work for a Fortune 500 or a, a top, you know, six, you know, consulting firm, man, build that resume, build mm-hmm. that resume, pay your dues because in the early formidable years of your career, if you go entrepreneurial too quick and you find out you're not as good as you thought you were, or the opportunity soured, it wasn't quite as well, or somebody pulled funding, or it's always some parent writing funding check for the kids out of school, right, to start the business, and right. everybody always has the best intentions. But if you if, if you can hurt your career if if you're not thoughtful in the in the in the employers that you go to work for early and the ultimate coming out of school if you're if, you know if you're Ivy or you're coming out of a pretty solid state university you know you want that big Fortune five hundred name coming out almost it's like what you do for them is secondary to like getting that logo on yeah. your LinkedIn and on your resume. Yeah. And, and, and having it tell a story. So you got to think with the end in mind, if you want to, if you want to, if you are an entrepreneur and you think you're going to launch your business when you're 28 or 30 or 32, you know, go ahead and get eight or 10 years experience, work with some big name companies, build your relationships, build your capabilities up because you're going to learn about people, you're going to learn about process, you're going to learn about quality and profits and you need all that stuff to run your own business. You mm. may think you don't. You may think you can watch a two minute YouTube. Nothing replaces like, Really learning the secret sauce of bigger companies and how they do things from a people, right. process, and profit standpoint. I mean, come
0: on. Yes. So, do you think it'd be better? To, I mean, obviously, you mentioned the IVs and the top tier schools, but let's just think about the general population being more average, to be perfectly yeah. frank. Yeah. What, like, how do you set up, um, What's your thought process on like small and medium sized opportunities versus those Fortune 500, 1000 style companies? Because you said, like you said, it's the logo. I also find like, I think for me, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but if I was to reflect on what I, where I've come and where I've been, I'm so grateful I went the smaller company route just because I almost got to exercise my entrepreneurial spirit, although I'm not an entrepreneur because I'm not taking the risk. Especially not in the beginning, from like day one. You know, I think that was kind of the. Um, it was. I almost want to describe it as a happy medium, but you definitely don't have the pedigree. On your well, resume.
1: Well, yeah, I would say the, the uh, there's two really good scenarios, and I think you're describing the other really good scenario. Yeah. So if you get if if you if you can get a Fortune 500 logo, great. And the other great scenario is is what I did. I went to work for a family business where I got to start mm-hmm. off at a, at a, as a, a clerk and an editor and I worked myself up to president. So I learned all those roles. Right. I learned all the roles. I, I was, I literally went from being an editor to being um, the publisher to the director of marketing to president over, over like a, a nine year period. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you're in a big company, you ain't doing that. No, you're right. like, you're, 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 there's, there is no path like that. So, um, I get that. So, you know, and again, my story is I went in the military and I came to work for the family business and that gave me yes. those opportunities. So, you know, that's a great way to go.
0: No, it's so true. Do you, um, totally tangential and not related, but that's how my brain works. Uh, do you think your did your 5am, 4.30am wake ups, Is that all just leftover discipline from the military instilled from the military? Or was this something you did later in life?
1: No, I, I would say that it's, it, uh. It came from my own personal leadership routine, probably influenced more
0: from Tony Robbins than anybody else. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I was, because I know you're a, uh, I think the thing you and I like to shoot the shit the most about is personal development and coaching yeah. ourselves. And I, I, uh, I, I was just kind of interested to know if that was a lifelong habit or not.
1: Well, I've, I've been doing it. It started from the farm. When you grew up on a farm, right. you're, you're feeding animals. When I was seven, eight years old, I'm I'm like, I'm... I'm feeding bulls and and right. you know I got you got chores you're up early and then and then we have a f- passion for sport fishing in our family so mm-hmm. you know you're getting up you're going fishing and and uh, so it was very natural when when uh, when I was you know listening to, to Tony Robbins personal power and doing the, his courses and he's challenging you know he's challenging me to do things to grow my capacity and to, like take charge of my life it was very natural for me to get up early and to start to bake those habits in. Mm -hmm. you know so i'm i'm a huge fan of of you know getting up thinking about my priorities for the day you know you know right you know writing them down making sure that i'm thinking through you know the things i want to get accomplished working out you know i'm i've I've always always had either i'm lifting weights or i'm doing cardio or i'm swimming you know doing i do more walking now on the beach yeah that's like my speed these days but (laughs) but 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 i do i do love getting in the water and swimming laps too
0: yeah no that's that's, that's uh that's awesome, and I know from our relationship, Nick. The you work with a lot of executives, but you also work with a lot of like people in companies that have been pegged as potential high performers. Like right, like yes. the opportunity to work with people who are still f- certainly figuring it out. Is there? Do you have any common themes or um, coaching examples that you constantly run into that are kind of like? You know, for those people, I'm thinking about more so people kind of early to mid-career that are starting to get pegged that they have a lot of challenges with that, and, and you kind of help them out with that way. Yes.
1: Yeah, so are you talking about the high performer? What are the common themes and challenges that they have to yes. be able to go to the next level? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So the big one, Mark, the big one. And and I think today this is more uh, timely or, or relevant than ever. It's I'm super somebody who's really productive. Somebody who is just crushes it, whatever you give them, like they just crush it and they produce, but then you want to, when, when it's time to like make them a manager. Yeah. When it's like, so and that's what we want to do. We want to promote our, 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 our top producers. And, and, and today, because I think social media has a lot to do with this. I think, I think a lot of folks have not developed the people skills, the, mm-hmm. you know, the soft skills, the conflict resolution skills, the ability to, um, you know, to, I, I, you know have that crucial conversation yeah um, with, with a with a level of finesse that gets results yeah you know, I think I think a lot of people look at the tough conversation or holding somebody accountable as a negative just on its face it's just like it's negative it's heavy it feels you know and, yeah and and so and, and you know and the tr- and the truth is if you're a new manager and you and you do though you have a couple of those you don't do them good at all you yeah. can totally fail like it can hurt it can hurt you right, right. It, it can really hurt you so Right. there that i think a lot of my coaching is helping the top producer make the transition into management and help them develop those people skills and help them you know really understand like the art and the science of the, of you know management leadership so that's a big one that's I, that a makes big sense one. do you
0: how would you all right so say you were you're a parent right now, so I mean, I can ask yeah. this question. What steps are you actively taking as a parent to avoid that being an issue for your children?
1: The, the, like, uh, is there
0: a way to? You think there's a way to do it? And I mean, I'm not. I know yeah. this is your expertise. I'm just, it's more of a, just a guy I respect. I'm just kind of pinging you with it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question, I'm, and I'm glad you put me on the spot with that. So the way we do it in our household is we do what's called a clean plate exercise. Mm. Daily, we believe that that every single day that you're around people, you know, more than likely somebody's going to get their feelings hurt or something, and it's yeah. not healthy just to shove that down and go to bed. You know, there's the, the old saying is don't let the sun go down your anger, right, or some right. of conflict. So we model that for our kids, and we have these conversations with our children as part of our nightly, you know, before we go to bed ritual.
0: Okay. Oh, awesome, awesome. So you so you're getting them used to my uh, you're mining for conflict to use Mr. Yeah, yeah. Lass- but but you're getting them used to dealing with conflict constantly. Yes. Yes. Even though it's not major conflict, it's just constantly dealing with it. That's right. That's, yeah, that's, that's cool. Right. I, because I'm, I was kind of interested because, like, I don't, you know, my kids are at an age where I can do no wrong right now, right? Like, I literally can't do anything wrong. But at the same time, when I was thinking about my headwind to, like, letting them figure out what's going on on the playground, right? Like, I watch interactions, I see it happening, and it's like, I'm not solving that problem for you. Like, the, like figure it out. But I – but I can see as it gets older, things get more complicated too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's important too. And I, I can't say that, um, I can't claim any victory here, but I think it's really important that kids get to see their parents resolve conflicts. And yeah. And I think the most important is the simple one is, you know, I'm sorry, I, I blew it, you know, being yeah. being vulnerable and have those moments where, you know, if, if everything, if we pretend everything is always great, and our kids never see us fight. When they have fights, they think something's wrong. And they think, oh, my gosh, this is wrong. You know, right. they may mar- they may marry somebody that their family culture was to yell. I mean, right. A, yeah. a lot of Italian families, you know, that's what we do. You do right. you, you, you let it rip. You, you let it rip. Right. Yeah. And and, uh, and then. So anyway, so, yeah, we, we try to model it and we and we we don't get it right all the time. But the kids, they do see our vulnerability and they do hear us say, you know what? Yeah, I really screwed up. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? You know, okay.
0: We, yeah. we 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 say those those three phrases a lot around our house. Do you? So just to c- continue on that thread, because I'm I I'd hate to be the person listening that's um, a highly productive person who wants to be a manager or someone who's a new manager or even I even think if you're not a new manager but you're you're on the path of like you know leadership is for you, you're kind of dealing with conflict from day one, right? It's like, do you have any? Um, format you help people with from a crucial conversation standpoint format template just way to approach it
1: yeah yeah there's there's a uh there's a real simple there's a book written by cory patterson called crucial conversations and just to give you the high level view of it yeah, is please. to have a to have an effective crucial conversation the first thing you got to work on yourself you got to yeah. you got to kind of master your own story you can't go in and play judge and jury right it's not going to work real well So you got to come at these conversations with a place of neutrality and and openness, right? Yes. So you work on yourself first. The second thing you do, Mark, is you got to create safety. If you're going to confront somebody and you're going to talk about something that's that's kind of hard to talk about, right? It's stakes are high, and you know you're going to point out somebody you know is misstep or they didn't comply with what they said they were going to do, broken commitment. You better come out. You better create some safety. And and what that might look like is is you know is. Hey, I, Mark, I really value our relationship and there's, there's something that happened that I just want to make sure it doesn't get in between that, you know, how positive our relationship is. Can we talk about this? Yeah. You know, it can be that simple or, or it can be just getting permission yeah. uh, and scheduling scheduling a time and, and letting the other person know
0: that you're going to have the conversation yes. as, as opposed to just approaching it with it, right? Oh, I, that was yeah. the best, the best, uh, sales management advice I ever got. Um, it was actually from a guy named uh, Jeff Hoffman, and he was like, when you're going to give feedback to your rep, ask them, do you mind if I give you some feedback?
1: Right. right. Get permission. Right?
0: Yeah. Right? It's like if I'm coaching you, it's a one-way street. But if I'm asking you, if I can give you feedback, we can have a more open dialogue to it. You said yes. So I, it's always helped me um, yeah. create the safety. That's cool.
1: Yeah, that creates the psychological safety, and
0: right. people are giving you permission when they say yes. Right. Okay. Now that's cool. I uh I can appreciate that. So what, then, like yo, then the next, then,
1: then the next step is, is you you get you get permission to to go into it and you build the story together. Mm. So you ask them what happened. You you want to ask as many open-ended questions as you can to try right. to get them to build the story with you, okay? And then the next thing is is you move to action. After after they unpack the story, now most times Average person that's healthy that you have a positive relationship, with, they're gonna own it. They're gonna yeah. feel the gravity that they're they're talking to, you know, you about this. They're gonna own it. But if they don't, if, if it's the you know the twenty or thirty percent that goes off the rails, then you just want to keep asking questions. And then after you understand, this is a cubby. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Then you yes. share you share your facts. You share mm-hmm. what you saw,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then and then this is the most important part. After they share their truth, and you share what you heard them say and the additional like true you ask them so what's next you know right. how how can we solve this gain commitment yeah and don't and, and, and resist the urge to speak into that silence yeah <laughs> yes if, if there was okay. ever a chance of time for a pregnant pause it's right there let the offending the person that did the offending come up with a solution do not start mm-hmm. filling in the gaps and telling them how we're going to
0: solve this let them right. do it right awesome uh, now, did you have to learn that the hard way, or did you feel like you had that? Oh my gosh, I, I've been screwing that up for I screwed that up for
1: years. <laughs> this, this is this is literally something you've got to practice for about a decade. After yeah. you've after you've known the model and you've you fumbled around with it. I mean, I mean, from day one, it's helpful. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But but you'll but you'll you'll get into situations where you don't anticipate somebody yeah. will will get triggered and they'll get pissed off and it's like, what do you do then? Yeah. Well, <laughs> You know, as a, as a rookie, you think you failed. You think, I did that. Yes. <laughs> I made a mistake. I, You know, I said something dumb. No. You just agreed to pause. We'll come back to it later. And it's normal. Like we do. That's part of the human experience. We get triggered. We do. We right. get
0: triggered. Hopefully right. we don't yell in the workplace. But, you know, right. it, it happens. It happens. So, what? like, what do you think is... Uh, you, I feel like I have so many interesting things to ask you now after that. But, like, when you're... Is there anything you think of, like when people are like, "Hey, you got some? You, you've seen a lot of businesses. The, your vantage point in the business community is interesting, right? Because you get to work with a lot of businesses and you get to get under the covers quick in terms of yeah. politics and dynamics and that kind of stuff. Do you see anything that young entrepreneurs, young business professionals, or just young professionals in general are missing? Like, like that, yeah. like that everyone could do." and they're just missing it right now from your perspective. Do you see any common trends that way? Like if I'm a recent college grad or someone with a couple of years experience that's like you got to be doing this.
1: Yes. Well, there are a couple things come into mind. The first thing in any startup it's all about sales. Mm. And, and and everybody wants to make it like it's my I'm coming out of grad school, I'm coming out of college and I'm going to put all this theoretical information together. So we spent all this time building business plans and strategic plans and it's like we, we like we think we need to have this big, you know, great team. You're, you're not going to have it. you got to build it brick by brick. So the big the big thing is sales, sales and more sales. You know, the, the old saying is, is sales cures a lot of ills and problems. It's even more true when you're a solo entrepreneur. Or you got a small team and you your startup. Mode. It's all about sales. First two, three years. It's all about sales. Okay, once you get to once you get north of, you know, uh, let's just say two million, and depending on what business it could be ten million if it's manufacturing and you've got a low margins. So either two or ten million. If it's a professional services type company, you got high margins, one or two million could be the or ten, then now you got people problems. Mm. And so the the I would stress the importance of making sure that everybody in the organization has organizational clarity on what's the most important goal that we're we're gonna do this year. What are our what are what is what is the reason this company actually exists? What is the transcendent purpose, not just what we do, but like what is the real thing that gets you fired up and gets you out of bed? And, and it's, and it's what I used to recruit you. I told you about this really great business vision we got, right? And that's why you came here. But then I don't tell you again after I recruited you. It's like, you're just here. Now we, we're slogging it, man. Now we're just like freaking pounding the pavement trying to make shit happen. We forgot right. about our purpose. Every business has to have a transcendent purpose that, 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 that connects and resonates with the people, right? The, the third thing I would say, and I did this for Davis, execution. Yeah. Execution. The marketplace and companies, the failure, 75 percent of all startups fail because of right. execution, not strategy. It's not strategy. It's execution. And and so what is execution? Clear goal, knowing your lead measures and metrics, getting a cadence of communication, you know, be, being really good at coaching the metrics with your team. So everybody knows where they stand at all time. We've, we've lived this a Davis, you know. Yes. Um, And I'm shocked at how many great companies spend so much money on people and strategy and culture, but they don't have execution. Mm. So man, you know, it's sales, 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 and it's, and it's have an execution system in place, even, even for a two or three man company, have the execution in
0: place. Do you find, do you find that the most, not the most successful, but the average successful person from your perspective, and we can define success however we want, I'm thinking more so in terms of excellent at their place in their career at that moment and performing well within their role. Like, that's for me kind of a yeah, yeah, basic yeah. thing. Yeah. Do you find yeah. that those people generally are executing outside of their work as well? Like, it's a it's the whole person as opposed to just the person executing at work? Like, do you, you know what I mean by that? Like yeah. A more holistic approach to it?
1: I, I think it's a mixed bag, Mark. I think yeah. that you, you got people that are so like sold out for their careers and they have big identity built yeah. up in, in the office and they just kill it. And like their whole, that's their life. Yes. And, okay. and, 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 and that can be, you know, and, and I, and, and I kind of resemble that. That was me. That was right. me in the family business. I was so laser focused on that. I, I wasn't really looking at the other areas and then, and then you got the people. And I think this is what you're alluding to. You got the people that are just really solid. They came from a good family. They're yes. just successful people that you just like being around them. They're healthy emotionally. They're they're hungry. They're committed. They're oriented to grow. All these things, you know, I, Davis Davis companies. You, there's a lot of good people like this. Yeah. Um, yes, they have a tendency just to have kind of success. At, you know, they're good at it. they're getting it across the board. Mm. Um, but there's you makes know, back, yeah. Yeah, it's a mixed bag.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, that makes that makes sense uh, on your path to. Where you are today, have there been any like huge regrets?
1: You know, I thought about this one. I think I don't have any any like major regrets. Awesome. You know, I don't have. There's 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 no regrets. And, and and when I get tempted to think about something to regret, I can look back and I can see how that small failure or what I thought was a regret actually set me up to succeed where I'm at today. Mm. And I, I believe, you know, I know this this gets a little spiritual, but I believe everything happens in your career for a reason. Yeah, I believe all of us are on this earth for a purpose. And I think understanding those two things can lead you to a wonderful place, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at, at work. And, and I think it also makes you a lot more humble person, too. It's like, yes, I think yes. It's like you can take yourself really serious in business. And you can push a lot of people away, like when you're going through a really bad time. And and um, I just I don't know, I think those are two guiding lights for me. Mm. Everything happens for a purpose and really don't overthink anything, just roll with the punches, you know, and,
0: and it's just hard when it's happening, right? Yeah. Digested on the on the yeah. back end of it. But no, that um that really that really resonates. Well, how about on the flip side? Any opportunities that you could have seized that you missed out on? Not yeah, regret- the
1: well, there's one. Yeah. There, there, there was one major one and they were giving, they were going to give me the company. Remember I told you I left Dearborn. Yep. They were going to actually give me the business and the business was, I could have made another, I could have made a million bucks and I could have had total control of the business and they were going to give it to me. I just step in, step in their shoes. I was going to take over some of the liability, but I understood the liability and I chose for greener pastures. I, I chose mm. to start my own consultancy versus kind of slog through some tough things to get to the gold. But we at the, at the time, we had forty or $50,000 uh, a, a week in, in subscription revenue. I walked away from a subscription revenue company. They ended up selling it to another company for our list and assets. It was a big mistake, tactically speaking. It was a big mistake for me not to, not to step in there. And at the time, I just wanted greener pastures, man. I needed some oxygen. I was looking for greener pastures. I had a wonderful opportunity with clients already ready to engage. Right. So, you know, I don't regret that though. I don't because if I would have stayed there, I'd probably still be in the business. Yes. Yeah. If, if I was in the commodity futures trading business, I wouldn't be a business coach. I wouldn't have gotten to work with so many
0: wonderful CEOs and entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and executives like yourself. Yeah. Has did you ever think you'd be? Obviously, you never thought you'd be a coach, like when you were previous. not. As much. You yeah, know, not in my wildest dreams. Not in my you, wildest dreams. Do you think you'll still be doing this for another 15, 20 years? Like, do you love what you're doing now?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. The only thing that would take me out of this is if I literally, like, um, if I inherited a huge amount of money and then, and, and the money, like, allowed me to, like, want to make investments and in other things I believed in. And that was a little bit more fun than what I'm doing, possibly like yeah. philanthropy. Philanthropy could pick me out of this. But
0: nothing short of like a cause that was yeah. like smacking in the face to go do. If that makes sense. No, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, oh, that's really, that's uh, that's cool. I guess the the one thing I'm interested in is like, how did, how come, did the thing Dearborn had the best marketing? You said that, right? Like, yeah, great but, marketing. Yeah. Is there what? You're now in a consulting business where like, it's kind of you versus the world, so to speak, right? There's a lot of people in your industry. Um, yep. and they're all pretty small, right? Like it's, it's very boutique. How do you, in, in that, in, in that coaching world, let's call it almost sole proprietorship type world, how do you differentiate yourself and how do you beat your peers, so to speak? Like, yeah, that's is, it, a, like is that yeah. a thing?
1: No. Well, that's a great question. I love, I absolutely love, love, love that question, Mark. It's first off, I don't have any competition. I don't, I don't acknowledge that there is competition. Um, my unique value, value or secret sauce is Nick Van Nuys.
0: Yeah. Okay. No,
1: nobody's walked a thousand miles in my shoes. Right. Nobody has the relationships that I have with my clients. Um, the, the success stories of my clients, have continued to um, grow and they're mm-hmm. archived on my site and 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 my clients continue to refer. Yeah. And, and so, I, you know, when, and when you're in a business like yourself, I, I work as much as I want to work. Like, yeah. you know, like, like r- r- right now, I, I you know, I have I have I have three I've chosen to have three corporate clients and each client has, you know, 10 to 10, 12 people that I work with. That's a full load for an executive coach. You start right. getting north of 25 people, 20, 25 people work with in total. It's too much. It's yeah. just too much. And I, I, as a younger guy, I had a practice where I had sixty-five clients at one point. It was just too mm. much. It was crazy. Mm. And then I tried, I tried bringing on people like other coaches to join me, and and you know what, they couldn't do it, and I and I couldn't do it. It was my failure as much as theirs. But they, Nick, you know, they came, they were here because of the relationship I had, and then trying
0: to work with another coach, it just doesn't work. It just starts yeah. to fall apart pretty quick. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense. That's um. Because I even think like as you're, so your goal is not to scale your business.
1: No, the, the goal, the goal is to have a life, is to have a great yeah. life. I, I've designed my life. I never want to miss a soccer game. I yeah. never, I never want to miss a phone call outside after six o'clock in the evenings. I never, you know, my Saturdays are, you know, I, I live, I design and live my life, my ideal life. Mm. I, I only coach about 25 hours a week. And the rest yeah. of the 15 hours in the workday is building capacity. It's reading. It's doing the read. And that's why I love this. Yes. I, I get paid to stay in peak emotional, physical, and spiritual shape. I
0: right. get paid um, to do that. <laughs> which is re- that's really cool. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really cool thing. Is there any um, recent – I know you, got, you and I always talk about this – but, like, recent resources that you would share with people – to help them stay in peak spiritual, physical, emotional shape right now, whether it's books, podcasts, audio, anything you'd share or suggest people pick up? Um. Yeah, I would say um,
1: this might sound a little bit old school, but it's, just, it's pretty hard to get better than the dead center of the seven habits. I, yeah. think, if, I think if somebody if somebody reads the seven habits and then in the back of the book, they have this chart that shows you your roles, goals, responsibilities. If you, if you do a a refresh on seven habits and you go through and you actually fill out your roles, your goals for each role that you play, the ones most important to you and don't try to do all your life roles. Yeah. Pick pick two or three, like pick two or three that are most important. You, you as a provider, you as a, as a husband or father. Um, And, 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 do do some planning and architect your ideal day. You know, like lay lay out those activities, get them in your calendar. Take it from take it from a a, a one page view, Covey. Get it into your calendar and live in those recurring time blocks. Mm-hmm. And then, if you're really courageous, you want to really go far with this. Get a little tracker. Just get a simple Google. Just like you can make it in five minutes, man. Right. I'll send you I'll send you mine, the one we use. Yeah. But it just simply lists it lists your habits and which day. You just click a radio button. Mm. And it's just a reminder and it's not to be, it's not to get religious. It's not to be like attached to it. It's just to have as clarity. It's like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm feeling a little bit low on energy. I, I haven't worked out for a day, you know? Okay, great. Tomorrow I'm going to check. I'm going to work out. and The yeah. account, it's almost like your, it's a personal accountability tool. And,
1: and you send that to somebody you respect. You don't have to hire a coach to do this. You can have yeah. a, a workout buddy or, you know, a peer right. somebody that gives you shit. You give them shit back and you're like, Hey man, I'm, I'm trying to get in shape or I'm, I'm trying to get better daily habits. That's the best personal development plan I can ever subscribe to anybody. Yeah. Start with the seven habits. Get it down to a one-page view, goals with your roles, and then get it into your calendar when you're going to do those activities.
0: And I think your point of having a, a peer to do it with oh. is huge because then you have someone to empathize with you when it's going wrong and someone to help you cheer you up, And but they know your goals, too. Yeah. And, and you've kind of created a safe space to be like, dude, you didn't go today.
1: There's there's research on this, Mark. Uh, Dominican University, they actually yep. did a research study on goal setting, and here's what they found. People that don't have written goals accomplish less than like 40% of them. Like, in other mm. words, if I'm the guy that just says, you no, I don't write my goals down, but I, I know my goals and I'm driven, you, you're going to do about one-third of them is what's going to actually happen that year. If you write your goals down, you go to about 60%. Mm. If you actually write them down, they're on paper. But if you write them down and you give them to another person – and you ask that person to check over and, and, and you ask that person to ask you about them, it goes to like 75%, mm. 75 to 80%. That's huge. It's a huge, and, and they did, they, they had like 650 people in this, in this study. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we, we, we've, we know this intuitively, right? This is yes. not rocket science. We know if we're more intentional, we create clarity and we get the accountability we need. Here's another statistic for you. In my all the coaching I've done, I've worked with probably close to a thousand employees over all the different companies over the, the 16 years. I've noticed that about 80 percent of all uh, director level or just, you know, normal director, executive level people, 80 percent of them are not able to do um, nail nail like their commitments and routines. Um without accountability. Now there's the, the top, the top like 20%, 15 to 20%, um, doesn't matter, they don't, they don't need anybody to hold them accountable, right. they're so driven, it's like they got it, right. they're, but, but the, the, here's the message, the vast majority of people accomplish a great deal more with, with accountability. Mm. And accountability doesn't mean somebody look under your shoulder, accountability means you create the clarity and you break down your, your goal into, into drivers, into the key things. And you track it. That's what accountability means. It's clarity. It's tracking. It's cadence. It's not a negative word. It's not no, a account, accountability is, is, is only can happen in the present moment. Accountability can't happen after the milk is spilled. After yes. you missed your number. That you're you're having you're having a, a conversation about something else. It's not accountability in our vernacular,
0: Mark, right? Mm-hmm. I well I think you know I never thought about this before, but I think one of the really fortunate occurrences for the way my life slash career matriculated was, my college group of friends has truly become an accountability group. Awesome. And and not purposely. You know, like I have a buddy who's been on the podcast, uh, Greg Lazarus, who um, he went, was IPO at a couple companies, really did really well for himself. And he was uh, in town. So I drove up to have lunch with him yesterday. And then two other friends are there as well. And you don't even have to, bring it up but the conversation comes to like basically synthesizes down to how you doing on your long-term goals like how you doing what's going on and like you know what where have you effed up and what are you working on and it's i just when you were saying that i was like man i guess i i got kind of lucky because i had some like-minded friends and that it makes it so much easier it makes it so much easier when you're shooting oh, yeah. the shit. and it, that's the way the conversation goes Um, keeping you engaged and keeping you accountable. So I think, I think finding a circle of people like that is huge because having one is helpful, but I think you need, I mean, what do you always say? You become the person that's like your closest five friends or whatever.
1: Yeah. You become the average of your three closest friends. Yeah. Average income, average morality, average energy,
0: average discipline. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's so true, but it's hard to work on it, right? It's hard to kick people out of your life and it's hard to go find people to bring into your life to do that with. So, um, which is probably gets you back to, uh, dealing with conflict and crucial conversations (laughs) here, right? That's a good practice for that.
1: Right. You know, you, you brought up something else I think is huge. It's more important than I think the most important thing for us in our careers is we're doing work that's meaningful to us, Mm -hmm. that we see adds true value to what we're doing. The second most important thing is we're doing it with people that we want to do it with. Yeah. Both our customers and our our, the employees and our our team around us. Mm -hmm. You know, and and the core values that you share that that unify you, right? Yes. Um, That's so much more important than than
0: how much money I'm actually making or you know, provided that you're hitting or not, providing that you're making... No, 100%. Well, I people. also think, I think sometimes, I agree with everything you just said. I think sometimes when you talk about meaning, though, it's 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 almost so specific that it freaks people out. Like, meaning seems, to, like, I think sometimes maybe it's a generational thing, but like, does this work mean to you? Like, is it meaningful to you? Excuse me. It's like, ah, uh, well, I'm not exactly, like, saving the world here either, right? Like, there's a lot of... like. Hey, I love my job, but I've, I've distilled meaning to be, um, does my profession allow me to, uh, take advantage of my skill set, my capabilities, but still challenge myself and keep moving forward? Like at the end of the day, am I, am I good tired? You know, like the kind of tired, just went to the gym, your endorphins are high, so you feel good, but you know, you're wiped. Like, do you get that same level of mental, emotional stimulation? For me, that's the meaning. As opposed to, I mean, at this point in my career, I should say. Because I don't know, like, I can't tell you that, like, I wake up every day and I'm like, man, I'm staffing is going to cure the world. Like, we're the best thing going. And we do find people jobs. Like, we we uh, like we do do some excellent work when you distill it down. But the learning involved with becoming a leader and uh, that's really and far, and business offsides versus selling. You know, like learning all those things, that provides a ton of meaning to me. As well. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So there's another twist on this too that's I think important to look at. So, regardless of where you're at in your career, what you do industry wise, if you're in management or in leadership, a big part of the the, the fun, the, the purpose, and meaning can be, you know, your work with other people and the mm-hmm. and development and seeing yeah. them progress. And, and, Mark, I know you well enough to know that I see you get so jacked when. You, when your team is right and clicking on all cylinders and, yeah. and, 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 and you see that, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, that gets you geeked. Like yes. that is like yeah. intoxicating almost. So it's like, um, that's where you get it. Like, so yes. if, like, when I was in commodity futures, you know, it was, I mean, honestly, it was the money when I was 30, I yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah. But, but it wasn't, it wasn't selling information or the trading advisory people so much to make them rich but it was for me helping Patrick or John that came in and I knew that what was going on in their life having a conversation with them and helping them out with a personal thing that that's always infused me and that's unique to me that's a personal values yes. and everybody's wired different
0: so a hundred percent I just I uh, I think it's important for people to do introspection to really find out what makes them enjoy their part of their job because I think a lot of time what you think you like about your job is not really the truth and I and I I think what I realized as I went through it is the problem-solving aspect of it, being there for people to help solve problems, which is dangerous too, right? Because you don't want to be the guy that just puts fires out all day. You want to be productive, right? But like being able to be that person, I think, has provided a ton of meaning, which is cool. Because then you're like, man, I can apply this to anything. Mm-hmm. That's why I, uh yeah. That's why I encourage people. It's like try a bunch of stuff, because I would have never thought I was going to get into staffing, and it's thrilling. And that, which is a hilarious statement for me to even say like i think there's people in our industry who would laugh but they also get the appreciation of what they do every day is just provides a ton of meaning in their life so that make that does resonate Nick yeah. Does. Right. yeah cool man well we've done a bunch any 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 final words Nick van ice on uh that you'd share with the masses or you think we missed in our conversation today unfortunately we can always have you back because i know you Yeah,
1: so, so I want to honor my dad. Um, as you know, Mark, my, my father passed away three weeks ago and, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm good. I'm so good. I'm at peace that my dad's finally at peace Mm -hmm. and, uh, he didn't suffer. Uh, but this is something that my dad, um, instilled in me. And, uh, he's like, you know, he's like, um, if you're not passionate, if you're not, if you can't get fired up, if you can't get yourself like fucking jacked, to go do something, you're never going to really be great at it. Mm. You, you, you know what I mean? So it's like for him, like, like, you, you know, we throw this word passionate, you want to be passionate about it. And I think for the most part it's, it's misused, but the way my pops meant it, it is the way he lived it as an entrepreneur. Like he yeah. wouldn't be an entrepreneur in something where he didn't really love some aspect of it where he wanted to be best in the world at it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, you know, that's, that's guided me re- really well. Um, You know, I, I think, I think, I think that's real important. And I think, I think you can, you definitely can get there by looking at the meaning of your work or like what it is that's most gratifying to you and follow that. Yes. So I, I guess there's, there's really three things to think about, um, with your career. Look at what you're wired to do. Like look at your strengths. Yeah. where, Where are you getting the positive feedback? Is it when you're doing public speaking or is it when you're in front of a client or like, where's the positive feedback come from? The second area is like, what really fires you up? What gets you excited? And and that's going to that can be different than just getting praise or acknowledgement. Yes. Like yeah. what what informs you that you're doing something that's making a difference?
0: Like And what and like, what, what is the thing that passes the time and you look down? And you're like, oh, my God, it's been three hours. Like that's generally a great sign. And it right? takes serious introspection to see that stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, that's where your genius is coming out. See, yeah. When you're doing work and, and you're not thinking about what you're doing, you're just you're just doing it. That's where like you're, you're, you're going to manifest the cool shit, the best stuff. And then, and then the last area, and this is where we, we land the plane, we ground this. Look around you. Where, where, where's the need? Where's the real value right now in the organization or in the marketplace? And if you can get the connection, if all, if what you're great at skill wise, what you love to do that time flies and you do it and you're fucking, you're in your genius zone combined with a need in the world or the organization, I'm telling you, man. That you follow that, and you're going to find yourself in a pretty wonderful place.
0: Right. Right. Well, it also makes it easier to work on those skill set. And when you work yeah. on a skill set, that is that your point of the need and grounding is so huh. huge because at the end of the day, <laughs> we all work in a marketplace. And so you don't want to be working on skills that are going to be not necessary in the future, right? You got to have that right. kind of macro viewpoint. So that that yeah. uh, that resonates, man. That's really cool. Really cool. Well, it's yeah. It's gotta
1: have sustainability too, right, Mark? It's gotta, it's gotta be sustainable. There's gotta be an economic driver. And if you're not, if, if you're not addressing a specific need, you could be like really keep geeked out about it and you could be really talented, but who's gonna pay you? If, right. if, if you're not making money, then, then like, where, where, where are you are going?
0: Yeah. What are we doing? Right? Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Well, Nick, this has been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate yeah. you coming on and sharing your story and being vulnerable because I think, uh, when I first heard your story, it resonated with me really on, on, um, almost like a parable, right? Like, hey, pay attention. There's a meaning and a, and a lesson in this and, uh, and keep your head up kind of thing. But, uh, I, and you've helped me greatly. So I appreciate the help internally and then also coming on the podcast and thanks again.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Mark. It's been a pleasure.
0: Awesome. Take, care. Yeah. Take it easy. Yeah.